0: You good? Mm-hmm. Am I going to start talking and you're going to giggle? Maybe. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're discussing balancing reading for fun and reading to learn. I'm Curtis.
1: And I'm Chelsea. This episode is based on a couple of reader questions, mostly from Curtis's friends who asked about balancing their reading lives. How do you make time for fun reading and reading for personal or professional development?
0: So when do you think this switch happens where you're not reading 100% for fun anymore?
1: Um, that depends. For some, it's middle school or high school. Um, they say fifth grade is often when kids start to like not enjoy reading. And a lot of the time, that's because reading becomes just something that's assigned for homework And they're reading a specific book that they didn't have any choice in. Mm -hmm. There are other factors that contribute to that. So I think for some people, it's middle school or high school.
0: And then from that point on, they just don't know how to read for fun?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because you just get in the rhythm of just reading whatever's assigned to you. And then usually you get to college and you're certainly not reading for fun in college. I think I probably can count on one hand the books that I read just for pure pleasure when I was in college. Eh, maybe four hands. (laughs) I did read over summers. I mean, I think it depends on people's jobs. Not every job will require you to read, like, business books or leadership books. But as an adult, you might be reading self-improvement or certain guides for how to navigate things. So,
0: And we're kind of broad-stroking this where it's not just professional or personal development type stuff. It's just reading to learn versus reading for fun. So what do you think is a good, healthy balance between those two? Like, what do you try to do?
1: I shoot for reading at least one nonfiction book per month, which generally equates to reading to learn. But I think you can learn a lot from fiction too. But that's like bare minimum what I like to Accomplish is one my per balance. month. At least one nonfiction per month.
0: Yeah, I think a month is a good timeline for a reading cycle. So if you're trying to read at like one book per month, that's a learning experience. I think that's valid. I think that's good. Does
1: that sound like what you try and do? I
0: agree with that. I think my nonfiction books are a little longer than my, the fiction books that I read. So I probably end up reading more actual books for fun, but the nonfiction are about as much of a book if that makes sense. Like to equal So the like pages. page numbers,
1: yeah. like you'll read maybe 300 pages to learn per month, but that doesn't mean that you finished a book.
0: Right. But it's balancing with the fun part of my reading life.
1: I think something else that's important to address before we get into sort of the breakdown of like, what does it mean to just read for fun versus Read to learn is just making time to read in general because I think that was an undertone in these questions. Is
0: making time to actual like as a working professional to make time to read?
1: Yeah, and that that is where um, the question askers were coming from as people with like nine to five jobs. I think that the answer varies a lot depending on what your life looks like. I think it's a privilege to have leisure time, but. Like in this fast-paced day and age, a lot of people are trying to figure out like what does leisure time actually look like for me? And how am I spending my time? Am I on my phone? Or am I doing something productive?
0: You gotta make the time.
1: So I have some recommendations for making time to read. But first, I think this is a really interesting concept. I learned it via Ann Bogle, but she got this information from Laura Vanderkam. And it's about being a supply or a demand reader. If you know which one of these you are, you can make decisions that will benefit your reading life and figure out how to make more time to read. So if you are a supply reader, that means that you are consistently making reading a part of your daily life. So you have a book on your nightstand. You have a book in your car. You throw your book in your bag on your way to run errands just in case you have a few extra minutes waiting for your next appointment where you can squeeze in a couple of pages. You're listening to an audiobook. You've always got a book with you. So working your reading into your daily life isn't a matter of having a book to read. It's what am I going to read with this hour of reading time that I blocked off for myself. That's a supply reader. A demand reader, they read more when they have a book that they want to read. So they don't necessarily have a book with them at all times, but they just every now and then get a book where the story latches onto them and they love it and they make a point to read because they love that book so much. And so that might be more scarce. But if you are a demand reader who wants to read more often and you figure out which books hook you, then you might in turn sort of become a supply reader. Does that make sense?
0: I, yeah, I agree with most of the concepts. We're obviously supply readers, both of us, because we have books everywhere in our house. I've already talked that, like, I have different books in different places in the house. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my fellow bathroom readers. And then <laughs> the reading in the car with the audiobooks. So I think this is a good thing for people to think about if they want to read more, but they feel like they don't have the time. It's either make a consistent time in your work schedule for reading or... Or find a book that's going to so engross your attention. That, that you
1: end up making time. Yes. Putting your phone away and, and read the book instead, put basically. A, put
0: away the TV remote and find time to
1: read. Yeah. And honestly, those are the choices that you make. Hmm. It's a choice between two hours of Netflix binging, if the two hours is the only time that you have, and you can read for 30 minutes a day, and that's your reading time instead of putting on another TV show. Or put your phone in the other room, and you're more likely to have some focused reading time. Audiobooks are the best way, I think, to read more. Because if you've got a commute, or any road trips, or you're doing laundry, running errands, I just think audiobooks automatically increase that.
0: And that works for fun and learning, Mm -hmm. reading at both of those things. I
1: think that's for all of this in general, is just... Making more time to read, period. I am a teacher, so I don't know what it's like to have a lunch hour.
0: (laughs) I'm in the army, so I have long lunch hours.
1: (laughs) But I have definitely heard the recommendation to read on your lunch hour and make that designated reading time.
0: Yeah, that's either my reading time or my podcast time Mm -hmm. is during lunch.
1: Also, always having a book on your person especially i think if you have kids and you're like running that shuttle bus life where you have to get from point a to point b yeah. and you might have that like lingering time in between if you always have a book you've always got something to read
0: and i used to be so against like the having a book on your phone people but mm-hmm. I do it now, just when I have a spare second. Like, I was at the oil change place today, and I had, like, 20 minutes. I'm just on my phone reading a book. Yeah. So it makes it more available, and it gives you more time and options when time and options present themselves. You can Mm -hmm. be like, hey, I'm going to read this now that I have the time.
1: And I don't think it's unreasonable to schedule reading time. No.
0: I prefer it that way, just because then I know when it's happening.
1: Yeah, and sometimes... Like I'll say to you, hey, let's not watch TV tonight or let's not watch TV until 930. I want to read from this time to this time. And typically then we set aside that time to read.
0: We've got book clubs and a lot of stuff to read for fun. So we need to make that time. Yeah, that's
1: true too. If you're the kind of person that needs the accountability, if you need to start a book club, have a buddy to read with, like we're doing with Darker Shade of Magic. um, I think that that's a good way if you need that outside accountability. Right.
0: So if you're out there and wanting to read more, get an accountability buddy.
1: Why don't you say that a little bit slower? Because I think people are just going to think that you stuttered.
0: Accountability buddy.
1: Is that an army thing? Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
0: It's, I think it it expands beyond the scope of just military, but it's somebody. Oh, it
1: works for everything. It's a
0: buddy that keeps you accountable.
1: (laughs) In the case of reading, that's what we are for each other. High five. Okay, now that we've talked about like what reading looks like in adulthood and what making time to read might look like, I'm curious to hear how you break down reading for fun versus reading to learn, because I think there's probably some gray area in there, but for today we're kind of talking about the dichotomy and the balance, mm-hmm. so let's talk about reading for fun.
0: So reading for fun for me is mostly about the escapism and the immersion of being in the world that these world builders have made for you so whether that's in epic fantasy like tolkien or c.s lewis or george rr martin they're making this world that you are immersed in with details and characters that kind of draws you away from the realities of life but then at the same time you're still learning things like about people and human interactions but it's mainly about escaping from your normal day-to-day life so it's like that epic fantasy realm and then also mysteries so we've talked about mysteries on our last episode but those are my way of think it's making me think it's making me solve problems i'm looking at it from the like perspective i'm trying to solve whatever's going on whether it's a murder or a crime i'm invested in that role in trying to solve something so it's, that's how I think of reading for fun is it's kind of, it's either pulling me away from my day-to-day life and immersing me in this world that I'm wanting to be a part of, or it's making me think and solve problems, but not necessarily teaching me something, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. I was thinking about reading mystery because I feel like that's an escape too. And that's kind of an odd thing to say because often, like, if you're reading about a gruesome crime or something a little bit more scary I guess even if it's not like terrifying it sounds weird to say that that's an escape but I think it's that mystery allows you to get so invested in the plot that you forget about everything else so you're so focused on who did it or what happens next that you're able to let the world fall away you can obviously go for a cozy mystery but I really like the sort of like um I don't know how to describe them like Australian suburban housewife is Leon Moriarty, Um, and she wrote Big Little Lies, and another one that she has coming out soon is Nine Perfect Strangers, and I've read most of her backlist by now, but I liked Big Little Lies the best, and I'm really excited for her new one, and that's just, those are like juicy and fun and like gossipy, but also mystery, so I wanted to throw those out there as a fun one.
0: Instead of the horror and gruesomeness of like a Stephen King. Yeah. I just, and I just picked up The Outsider, which I'm really excited about. That's like it's supposed to be the best thriller of 2018. So I'm excited for that That one will
1: get you, I think, sucked in and invested. He's the best. I haven't read any Stephen King, so I guess I'm outing myself there. I'm giving but... you
0: the biggest <laughs> side eye right now.
1: On Writing is On My Shelf. That's okay. Okay. the one I plan to tackle.
0: Have you read it?
1: <laughs> Not yet. I've read parts of it. For various classes. (laughs) Okay,
0: so for learning experience.
1: But because Stephen King writes fantasy, do you feel like his mysteries often have that element of world building and escape?
0: Yes, because it's just, he's that good of a writer where no matter what world he's putting you in, you're immersed in it. So it's not the epic world of the Dark Tower, but it's still like, hey, you're going into this world of Los Angeles or whatever city he's in. And the description and the characters is such that you're just immersed immediately. Mm -hmm. So that's how I felt with his Bill Hodges trilogy. Um, Like the opening scene from one of those books is a dude runs over about 30 protesters in this crowded area with his Mercedes. And he's known as a Mercedes killer. And it like takes it from the perspective of people that were in the crowd. And you're just like, wow, what would I do if there was a car that was trying to run me over?
1: I mean, that definitely doesn't sound relaxing. No,
0: but it's, I don't, that's not necessarily the, like, how how would you say that? It's still immersion without making it like relaxing escapism. Yeah, that's
1: the word that you keep coming back to. I think that's really key for what you look for in an entertaining read is something that's going to immerse you in the story.
0: Yeah, it's, but not necessarily something that is gleeful and...
1: It's not fluff, like my preferred (laughs) escape. (laughs) We don't want
0: to say like, I don't want to pigeonhole reading for fun as something that's like, just kind of fluffy and...
1: Yeah, I don't think it has to be. No, it
0: can be multiple things.
1: There are people who would argue that it's only fun to read like books about science, which to me sounds like the worst thing ever in the world, or like... You enjoy presidential biographies, I do but there it. are probably some people who would say that's the only thing that I have fun reading. So <laughs> it's it's definitely subjective. But anyway, I went towards fluff because one of my new read for fun, I don't want to call it a guilty pleasure because I no longer feel guilty about it. I have shed my Lutheran inhibitions And I now read romance novels. Thank you. Thank you. Sometimes they deal with like societal issues. Often if they're written from like 2015 on, they tackle issues surrounding feminism, but they can just be like pure, absolute fun. They follow a very specific formula. Part of that formula is the H E A, the happily ever after. So you know that in the end the main characters are going to end up together so no matter what happens throughout the novel you don't have that like icky feeling of how is it going to end you know the ending which to me is very comforting and i like enjoy that as a an escape because i don't have to think about it very much my emotions don't get super involved in it and i can just sit back and enjoy
0: that just sounds so boring if you know how it's going to end
1: You would think so, but honestly, part of it is so fun to see how writers work with the formula and yet still keep coming up with new ideas. Okay. And that's fun to me because even when I'm reading for fun, I am still an English teacher who is like picking things apart a little bit and analyzing and looking at the structure. I can't help it. So before I move forward, the three romance writers that I would recommend to people who are be willing to dip their toe in the genre um Alyssa cole writes the reluctant royals series and those are so much fun she kind of takes the tropes of historical romance but plays with them in a modern way and her main characters are just awesome sarah mclean writes the bare knuckle bastard series those are really fun i think only the first one is out now and Tessa Dare writes *Girl Meets Duke*, which features a friendship group of lady spinsters, and they're very sassy.
0: I just like the phrase of friendship groups of lady spinsters.
1: Yeah, they're so fun. So each novel in that series focuses on a different sassy spinster.
0: But are they? All but the they're same, all friends. But they're all the same ones that are in the other books.
1: Yeah, so they appear in each other's books. Okay, it's really fun. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I mean, the other things that I like to read for fun, I like to read historical fiction because for me, it is fun to learn while I read, but I think it's nice to learn in a way that is not strictly informational. So historical fiction satisfies that for me. And also, like I said, I'm an English nerd and... So in addition to sort of like looking at the structure and writing style and things like that and symbolism in the books that I read, I really love retellings of the classics. I think that falls under the same thing of like, you know how it's going to go. So you can just kind of sit back and enjoy watching it unfold.
0: So you know that the author's going to get here by the end, but you just are more interested in how they get there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I read like a writer, even though I haven't Written anything? As I'm talking, I'm realizing that. This is like reading therapy.
0: Wrapping it up, I would say if you don't read for fun and you don't think you have time, it's still important to read for fun. Because, you know, if, if you enjoy storytelling and things like that, don't feel like you're trapped in this cycle where you can't read for fun anymore. Like where everything you pick up is either for work or... It has to be
1: for something.
0: Exactly. Just reading for fun is important. Figure out what you like, whether it's like a single book that's going to keep your attention or just making the time like we talked about versus the supply and demand. I just want to throw it out there that reading for fun is important.
1: I would agree. The other thing is, I think people might be surprised at how reading for fun enriches their lives without them even realizing it, like garnering more empathy. Some people just need to figure out what they like. And if you have never read a book that you felt excited about, you just haven't found the right book yet.
0: There's one out there for everybody.
1: I think so. I like that outlook. Um, in terms of reading to learn, what does that mean to you?
0: I think it's a new thing for me that I'm trying to focus on is challenging myself. Because I've always read like either history books or leadership books as for my job. But reading to learn for me has taken on a new perspective where I'm trying to challenge myself and learn about new topics that I've kind of either ignored or put the blinders up and not really wanted to focus on. Um, But that's the important part for me is I don't want to just pigeonhole myself into when I'm not reading for fun. I'm reading this exact same style of book. I want reading to learn to be my expanded category where I'm finding things that I'm trying to challenge myself with. So I think I agree with you. Middle school and high school is probably when I started to read to learn but it's become a much bigger part of my life since I became a professional. And not every job has a requirement for you to read to be better at your job, but we're both in professions where it helps if we're well-read.
1: Definitely. In terms of your job, what benefits you or what kinds of things do you read for professional development?
0: It's either a memoir from somebody who has been in a bunch of different leadership positions Like a general officer or something. Like right now, I'm reading um, My Share of the Task by General Stanley McChrystal. And it's either that or somebody who had like a traumatic thing happen to them and you see how they responded to it. So, um, my one for that is I'm reading, or I just got Red Platoon by Clinton Romache, um, which was he got the Medal of Honor for an attack on combat outpost Keating in Afghanistan. So, That's how I consider or I look at reading for professional development is like it's somebody who either has a lessons to teach you over a 30 year span or somebody who has lessons to teach you because they had a really bad day.
1: That's a really insightful way to put it. So you've given some thought to this for sure. I have.
0: And that's kind of the other perspective on that one is I prefer reading memoirs in that aspect because they're telling you their story from their perspective And if it's a good one, they're not going to pull a lot of punches. They're going to be truthful about it. But I've read some other ones that are kind of like they're puffing up their own ego Mm -hmm. and not really there to teach you anything. They're just kind of putting stuff on paper to sell books. Yeah. So that's the trap with that one.
1: Okay. So you recommended a couple of books pertaining to military for professional development, But do you have any recommendations for leadership in general or historical biographies for people who like to read those genres?
0: One of them is uh, Leaders Eat Last, which kind of just talks about how to interact with people that you're responsible for or in a leadership position over. And it's something that was required for junior officers for a while. Um, My favorite biography in recent memory uh, would probably be Washington just because it's the biggest Ron Chernow book that I finished. Everybody talks about Hamilton since the musical came out, but um, Washington was a journey, to say the least, because there's periods of his life where it was really boring, but I still love it.
1: Also where he's not exactly the American hero that we all want to look up to.
0: He's a flawed guy but um, i'm excited to pick up uh he just finished and released uh grant biography so i'm i've got uh, team arrivals by doris kearns goodwin is something that i'm gonna pick up soon
1: i think that's gonna be a good one
0: so the challenging part that i'm trying to incorporate into my reading life is getting different perspectives different points of view um and i read two books this month covering that and it's the hate you give by angie thomas And so you want to talk about race. So you've been big on the hate you give for the last year. And then now that the movie's coming out, you wanted me to read it before it comes out. So I know what was going on. And I wish I could find Angie Thomas and give her a high five. She did an amazing job in making me understand that, you know, I'm a white male straight in the military. I don't have to put any effort into finding myself being represented in books or media or whatever. But reading The Hate you Give, it made me understand that, you know, it, how important it was for Black girls growing up to find, see themselves in Star or, and just seeing her talk about that and how important that is.
1: Yeah, it's powerful.
0: But it was funny. It was entertaining. It was about issues that are going on and it made me immerse and understand and kind of put myself in their shoes. So that's something that I'd consider that a reading to learn aspect. And then... So you want to talk about race was another big one where what's the author's name?
1: Ijoma Oluo.
0: So what I liked about her book is it breaks down different interactions you can have when talking about race and gives it she's writing to both black people and specifically to white people at times. I
1: think she addresses people of color in general, but her focus is definitely on African Americans for sure.
0: Yeah. And then the like the parts where I started really to pay attention were was when she's writing specifically. To white people.
1: And you read The Hate You Give First, which I think was a good entry point because we've been having conversations about like race issues and our privilege and stuff like that.
0: I mean, how can you not over the last couple of years?
1: Right. Not that we shouldn't have been before, but like, definitely if you haven't been slapped in the face with it yet, then you're not paying attention. But you definitely hadn't really integrated our conversations into your reading life yet. No. And so I was kind of like anticipating the day when I could really push some books on you um, and like invest the time with you. Cause I think it's something that's important to be on the same page about those books mean different things to different people. If you're talking about like reading to gain new perspectives, it depends on which perspective you're coming from in the first place. Mm-hmm. And if your goal is to just listen with an open mind and learn something and become a better person. That's an excellent goal. But then I think it's important to push yourself a little bit further and see how that will lead to action.
0: Well, what I liked about her book and one of my big takeaways was it's, if you see systemic racism as like this big problem, which it is, you'll feel overwhelmed and feel like you can't change anything. But the important thing is just to fix your little nexus of your life and not to tolerate racist or other type of behavior Mm -hmm. and just stamp it out where you are. And then slowly, if everybody does that, it'll chip away at the bigger problem.
1: And the last chapter in that book, I think gives some really great action steps that go beyond just conversations, which I really appreciated. It was really good. Yeah.
0: So that's kind of like my new perspective on reading to learn is to challenge myself and try to be a better person.
1: I think as someone who reads nonfiction a lot anyway, you'll have an easy time of doing that, for sure. But I also think that you can do that really easily in um, your fantasy reading life. There are a lot of diverse authors writing fantasy, and I think you'll be surprised, especially since you've read, um, so you want to talk about race and those sort of systemic issues are in your brain. I think you're going to be surprised at how those issues are reflected in fantasy from authors of color well
0: i am about to pick up n.k jemisin's the inheritance trilogy and then we're both gonna read uh, her next series that comes after that so at some point that's ev- eventually <laughs> eventually if it had been at the bookstore this past weekend we would have bought i it. know but
1: um i'm totally with you on the same page of reading to learn to be a better person part of that for me has been reading books on personality typing People have different opinions about personality type. It's not a diagnosis. It is not something set in stone necessarily. It is not something that you have to identify with. But I do think that reading those types of books can help you discover yourself and kind of figure out why you do the things you do or why you get upset at certain things. And it definitely helps with relationships, I think. Oh yeah. We tease each other about Enneagram, but it helps us understand each other and communicate better for sure. Well,
0: as soon as we took the test and figured out that I'm a three, it makes so much more. It makes so much more sense.
1: <laughs> but the two books that I would recommend for that are Reading People by Ann Bogle, and one book that she mentions in Reading People is The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron. And The Road Back to You is about the Enneagram. That's a more complex personality system. I'm still learning about it. I'm still reading The Road Back to You. But reading people introduces concepts like introvert and extrovert, which is the most basic level personality typing that you can figure out. But the world makes so much sense if you know if you're an introvert, extrovert, or if you're maybe somewhere in the middle. We know we're both introverts, and so that makes decisions like, you want to go out tonight? Nope. (laughs) A lot easier. Um, And then you talked about reading for career advancement. And that um, has kind of a different look for me as a teacher. A lot of what I read to be a better teacher falls under your category of being a better person. Because if I'm going to shape young minds, I need to be aware of issues in the world and how to teach them. So I... Taught ninth and tenth grade for the last four years, and the books that made the biggest impact in my classroom and on me were actually middle grade and young adult novels. Getting the teen perspective, even if it's through books, definitely does help. And being able to read a book and hand it to students and talk about the issues around the book and have that sort of common thread of the book that we both enjoyed is an easier way to do it.
0: That's the most important part for me. Like when you would come back and say, I gave this book to my student and they loved it. The amount of joy that you got out of that was inspiring.
1: In terms of books that made a huge difference, um, Dear Martin by Nick Stone, kind of along those same lines as The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. But um, Dear Martin just had such an impact on my classroom. My students loved that book so much. and We had the best conversations coming out of it. And I just felt like I learned a lot. Um, I love The Hate You Give. I would say if you read that and you enjoyed it, Dear Martin is even more of a mic drop and even more of a gut punch. Sparrow by Sarah Moon um, was one of the most important books that I read on middle schoolers and mental health. And We Are Okay by Nina LaCour is my absolute favorite favorite young adult queer lit story. It's just beautiful. And then the last one I just listened to on audio this past summer, and I know that it would be an awesome classroom book, is Ghost Boys by Jewel Parker Rhodes. So these books all tackle different topics of identity and society and important issues, but middle grade and young adult fiction is just really getting at these issues in A way that is so accessible to readers not just because of the reading level of the books but just the richness of character and the way that young adult lit can really just hook your attention and hook your heart and so a lot of my learning comes from reading books that my students will like that's reading to learn and reading for fun two birds which is the best
0: when you got two birds it's the best
1: i think i'm happiest when both are occurring even though sometimes reading to learn, I don't know, takes a little bit more of a push for me to read nonfiction for sure. But like I said, I don't think reading to learn just means nonfiction. No. Oh, recommendations of the week. Do you want to recommend anything?
0: Just read the hate you give, guys. It's it's important.
1: I mean, I think seeing the movie, I am hoping will be a similar impactful experience, but we bookworms know Nothing's like reading the book.
0: <laughs> the book did it better.
1: Oh, my recommendation of the week is is the stacks podcast this is a new to me book podcast and it's a really fascinating setup so the same guest is on the show for two weeks in a row so the first episode so let's say week one the guest like it's just a basic interview get to know them and then the second week same guest but they discuss a book for the book club Hmm. and so i think the premise is really interesting Um, there's a focus on diverse voices. And so when we talk about gathering new perspectives, that shouldn't just apply to your reading life. It should apply to the TV that you're watching, the um, news that you read, the podcasts that you listen to, and the friends that you make. So that's my recommendation for a bookish podcast that is really going in the right direction and... I'm excited to get into that one. Okay. Okay. Another thing. Maybe this can help you read for fun. If you need that accountability, accountability buddy, is that nice. what you call it? Nice. Well done. We will be your buddies. Read our buddy read with us. We're reading A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab, and it is for sure in the read for fun category. It is so fun i'm loving it and i'm not the biggest fantasy geek like you are i'm
0: really surprised that you are that into this
1: book i really like it and i'll definitely finish the series and it's also i'm so glad that we're reading it at this time of year weather's getting cooler cozy up with a mug of tea or a glass of wine at night this book is really perfect for sort of that like darker cozy fantasy vibe but darker shade of magic by v.e schwab that episode will air October 30th, so you definitely still have time to read it if you'd like to read along with us, and we'll just be discussing the book on the episode. We will also have a reading discussion guide available, and we'll probably do some special stuff on Instagram just to get people in on the conversation so it's not just us talking back and forth. But that brings us to another point. We would love to hear from you and what you would like to hear from the podcast. A few people have submitted questions already, and we love formulating episodes around what would help you and your reading life with your partner or your friend, whoever your reading accountability buddy is, but we really believe that reading can enhance relationships, so Send us your questions either at he read, she read on Instagram or he read, she read podcast at gmail.com. And do us a favor, share this with a fellow reader or someone who you think could use a little push to start reading. And if you've been enjoying this podcast, please write us a review on iTunes. Just posting the rating is lovely. We super appreciate that. But if you could take just one minute to write a quick review. That would be even better. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, the couple that reads together
0: learns to read for fun.
1: <laughs> My God, such a dork. <laughs> <sighs> so punny.